Hello and welcome to The Crux of the Matter, the show by pastors, for pastors. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And I'm Pastor Scott Stigmeyer. How you doing today, Scott? Doing good. How are you? I am good. It just seems like almost minutes since we talked. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, we're uh, we're working at trying to get ahead on a couple uh, a couple episodes here because Holy Week is coming, and I I don't know, Scott. I kind of feel like I may be busier than usual on Holy Week. I hope we can still record next week, but uh, it's good to have a little bit of cushion. Absolutely. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about today is uh, is use a little bit of feedback that we got from a pastor and kind of use that as a springboard. Uh, a pastor from North Dakota writes, what do you do when you get stuck in victim slash responder mode in Lent and Holy Week? I have no idea what to do, but take things one sermon at a time, service and bulletin and hymn selection at a time, one call at a time, death, etc. So that's the question. Okay. And I did a little bit of a follow-up with him just to make sure that I understood what he was talking about because because uh, I was a little bit thrown by the word victim. Um, and what he's talking about is, is there's a, a system for, I'll say, task management called getting things done uh, by a, a man named David Allen. Uh, this is something that I have used to uh, a greater or lesser extent for years, and I have uh, and I have actually found it extremely beneficial for uh, for pastors in as a way of kind of getting at all of the stuff that we do and the onslaught of stuff that comes at us. Um, one of the ways that Mr. Allen speaks is uh, is talks about the relationship between perspective and control hmm. and uh, perspective means uh, how how far in advance are you able to look at stuff how far in advance are you are you able to think strategically five years down the road ten years down the road or are you or are you simply short term able to uh, look at what is happening next? So that's kind of one end is perspective. Are you tracking with me, Scott? I am. All right. Gotcha. And then on the other on the other end of this, and I'm gonna there's gonna be a little graphic in the show notes about this, um, which by the way you can find at the crux of the matter slash pod, the crux of the matter dot slash podcast slash twelve. Um, and then the other the other part of the box would be control, where you have responder going to micromanager. So are you are you able to see ahead of things so that you can actually be thinking about all right what am I uh what am I doing for Christmas next year? Uh or are you just thinking about what am I preaching at the second service? Yeah. <laughs> on the one end. Uh-huh. And on the control end, are you simply reacting to external stimulus? You know, some disaster happens and you go and deal with it. Kind of whatever is at the top of the pile is what you deal with first because it's right in front of you. Um, or are you so, so deep in 
that you are are basically micromanaging. So he's not advocating being the micromanager, the guy who has to get everything done and be in charge of every the general manager of every single thing. No, I don't think so. Um, but he he has kind of hit his uh, he he's put his finger on on what I would see as one of the great dilemmas of the pastoral office. And there's a lot of stuff we could talk about here. Um, but but uh, just, just to kind of think broadly for a little bit, as a, as a pastor, I have tasks that I do that need to get done every week. I have to, I have to preach a sermon every week. Yeah. I have X number of Bible classes that I do every week. There are certain things in the landscape of my of my time that are very set. So that's sort of one one trajectory. Okay. And then the other trajectory is the uh, I guess we could call it the human factor. <laughs> the fact that if someone is having a a spiritual crisis. Or a physical crisis. Someone goes in the emergency room, has a heart attack, or whatever it is. Um, that there is a certain element where I am not in control of my time. That I have to, I have to be flexible enough to be able to adapt to what those different situations are. And those, and those two, those two things, the the routine things and the I don't know need need based or situational based things those two things interact in really weird ways sometimes and it's not always good that's for sure well tell tell me to, so that i understand okay so we have a pastor friend who's written to the show and said that and he's using the terminology from getting things done and the term that he's he's kind of circled for himself is called victim slash responder and what, what just to help me understand what that is because I, I I haven't read all of that book I've read some of it and this is this part of it is new to me what would be the opposite of victim responder I mean what is the um, optimal uh, in in this in this system or in this mindset the opta uh, the the opposite would be captain and commander that's the term that he uses okay and and what he means by that is someone that is able to uh, think strategically so kind of visionary able to able to see farther ahead but who is also able to actually execute and get things done okay. uh, at at the appropriate time so that's sort of the ideal I I would put it as um, as uh, being able to be to be nimble and and flexible while still moving things forward because sometimes people can be visionary and they can really have big dreams and they can see the forest, but they aren't good at actually implementing. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And at the same time, you will find you you will find people, and I think pastors fit into all of the spectrum. You will find pastors that are really good at the um are really good at dealing with the you know whatever the crazy thing is that is thrown at you at a given day but as a result of that that long-term perspective can get lost 
that you get that because you're you're so down in the minutia that uh, that you forget that Easter's coming. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> and everything it, that's everything along the way there. What it means? Yeah, yeah. So so somewhere in the somewhere in the middle there is a is a balance or kind of some sense of of moderation. I guess would be my term. Where as a pastor, I have to be. I have to be working and thinking far enough in advance so that at any given time during the day or during the week, um, the whole thing could go crazy on me and everything else isn't going to collapse as a result. Right, right. Because what happens when that when I get to that point, and we all get to that point in my experience, what happens when we get to that point is that the kind of once you're on the crazy train, it's very difficult to get off because the crazy train never stops. <laughs> right. And and uh, this really typifies Lent in many respects, and I and I am right there with our friend here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I've had uh, quite a number of funerals that have uh, more so than usual. Um, we've had a lot of people in the hospital or going into hospice care. Um, so there have been a lot of those situational things that have been coming for me that I have uh, that that I was not as prepared for as I had hoped. Yeah. Let's let's say, and as a result, my preparations for for Lent and for Holy Week and for Easter are subsequently behind. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what ends up happening, at least with, with me, Scott, is that, is that my lack of planning eventually starts to affect other people. Yeah. Yeah, because your preaching is going to be affected. Your ability to intera- uh, interact socially <laughs> is going to be affected. Right, right. And um, and, and, and again, I know that this isn't about me, but just very concretely, because I think that this is quite typical for pastors, um, because I don't because I don't plan out Holy Week as as early as I'd like. That means that the musicians are not able to plan out their work as early as they'd like, which means that the that the choir is not able to learn their music as early as they would like, and it and it just kind of cascades, yeah. Yeah. which does an excellent job of creating guilt for pastors, right. because now all of a sudden it is your fault that the that the choir piece didn't go as well as it could have, or. <laughs> Whatever it is, right, and, right, and, right, right, and it doesn't have to be rational. That's no, for sure. No, but that no. is that's the case. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's help. It's helpful when you have a church musician that kind of helps you keep on top of that. Because I'm like you, I would put things off, and um, you know, maybe even more than you would be. Um, but you know. At least right now, and for most of the time, I have to be on my toes because my church musician is just really there. And um, but so, you know, I, I'm never quite. I do know what you're talking about. I'm never quite as prepared, even even still, never quite as prepared as either she would like for me to be or I would like for me to be. Right, right, and 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 a part of that I think is is personality. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that um, we all have a level of 
we all have a comfort zone on our level of preparation yeah. for things. Yeah, right. Um, and frankly, I think that this is a part of the danger of, of experience with pastors. Because I am more experienced now than I once was, that means that I know in the back of my head that if push comes to shove, mm-hmm. I can wing it. Mm-hmm. And 90%, maybe even 99% of the people are never going to know that I am totally winging it. Yeah. And right. that is a, a dangerous place to be as a pastor because that that almost gives me permission to, to allow the worst parts of my personality yeah. to dominate how I approach problems yeah. and how I and how I approach my interactions with other people and planning. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I mean, because we're always we're we're prone to take the easy road. We you know mm-hmm. we, we want to go the path with least resistance. But I know that when I have and I can do the same thing. You know, there there and there have actually been a couple of times where I've had to wing it. One time wasn't because I was badly prepared. I guess it was because I was badly prepared. It was because. Um, I was using my iPad to preach from, and the battery went dead in between oh. in between services. So at least I had to okay. I got to preach from memory, um, <laughs> and I know that I know that it can be done. And on the one hand, you're right. I don't want it to feed my laziness or to feed the worst parts of my character. But at the same time, I'm grateful that I'm at the point in my in my life in my professional life where I can preach a sermon sort of at the drop of a hat. That that's actually a pretty good skill because you there will be times when you will need to be able to think on your feet and come up with something pretty fast. We yep. don't always have the luxury to to spend 5 6 7 days mulling over a text and reading commentaries and doing mind maps and you know I mean we can do all that stuff a lot of the time but sometimes you just can't. Well, and uh and when you when you have those those sermons and I do think that's a when. I don't think it's an if. Yeah. When you have those sermons, um, I kind of think of it as I've spent 20 years preparing for this sermon. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's not the sermon isn't prepared. It's that all of the preparation of, and study of my, of, my, uh, of my life has gone into that. However, that is not, a, that is not an excuse for... A lack of preparation. No, or for doing shoddy work. Or for doing shoddy work, exactly. Mm-hmm. So so, yep. so let's just kind of ask the question, what are what are your best tips when you are when you are buried? What what are your best tips for trying to uh trying to peek your nose above the water and and start to get out of it? Well, I mean, I think that um, you've got to do what he said he, he is doing, for one thing. Um, in, in the email message that he sent to us, he said, um, all I know what to do is to take one thing at a time, one sermon at a time. That When you are feeling overwhelmed, when you feel like there's just way too much to get done and you don't have the time and, and you're, everything's going to fall apart, you simply have to learn how to focus and drive everything out of your mind so you know what, I'm going to spend an hour 
or or, or even just bl- I like to break up my hour into twenty minute increments. I find that if I yeah. if, if I tell myself I'm going to sit here for an hour and study, or I'm going to sit here for an hour and write. That actually isn't – I can't always predict that I'll be able to do that. And then that just gives me another reason to feel guilty. Right. So, um, if, but I can do 20-minute increments pretty easily. I'm going to do 20 minutes of this. Then I'll take a break. Then I'll stand up. I'll go to the water fountain. You know, I'll have a cup of you – know, get another cup of coffee. I'll take a few minutes off. Then I'm going to spend 20 minutes, and I've got objectives for that 20-minute increment. And I find then – that I can, by breaking things down into these smaller pieces, I can actually get stuff done. And if you, once you get a little bit done, and, and you'll never get, you're, you, you, I don't think a pastor ever has a clean desk, you know, or I mean, unless you're just one of those people. You know, I mean, you've always got other projects and you got things in your inbox constantly. Right. Um, so, you know, you have to just, you have to learn to um, focus, uh, put other things out of your mind, clear your mind, and, and just, Break things down into smaller pieces, and if he's doing that, and it sounds like he's trying to do that, then then he's probably doing all that can be done. Are you familiar with um, the Pomodoro technique, Scott? Um, you know it, what I'm talking about? Well, yeah, I've heard of it, but remind me, isn't it what I just kind of well, described? It's, it's basically what you just described. Right. Pomodoro technique is is where you pick a uh, pick a timer and use whatever an egg timer, your phone, something. And say, all right, I'm going to do for X number of minutes, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to stop, and then I'm going to do something else. But the the goal behind the Pomodoro technique is to is to kind of come up with what is the optimal time that I can focus on one thing yeah. before I before my my perspective starts to lift and I start to be aware or conscious of the twenty seven thousand other things that I'm not doing. When I'm working on that one thing, yeah. So that's that's Pomodoro technique, and that's yeah. what you're describing. Yeah, yeah that's. I mean, I, I've probably had that explained to me before because that's that's often how I find myself to get through these times. Sure. Um, and learn from it, you know, learn from it, the pastor. I mean, you know, maybe now it means you start preparing for Easter the week after Easter, and um, you know, or start preparing for Christmas. Right. In January, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, if if you find that some of the reason is because you're a, you're a new pastor, you're young into the ministry, and all right, maybe you you could have used your time earlier in the year a little better when when you had more time. Uh, it could be. Um, and here's here's kind of my my perspective on this is on the one hand, we do have to be conscious of. Of uh, of in in getting things done or GTD terminology of next actions, um, I can't prepare for Holy Week. That's not actually an action. That's a project, maybe even multiple projects. What I can do is find the readings for Monday Thursday, mm. or pick the hymns for Monday Thursday, or kind of make it into bite sized things. So th- so that's sort of one. One thing to to remember is to is to not be thinking in terms of the large thing, but that what you're actually doing in front of you, what is the action that can be taken on whatever X is. So that's kind of one. Um, another thing that I have uh, that I have found is helpful for me in in sort of jump starting this process is is by skipping ahead. So. 
okay, so I'm not going to, uh, I, I'm going to take a little bit of time and I'm going to plan the Sunday after Easter. Okay. And, uh, and just spend 10 minutes and do just a little bit right there. That way, when I get to, uh, that way I know that I will have a little bit of breathing room eventually. And boy, howdy, does that help me? Oh, sure. That's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that. I find I do that sometimes, but I hadn't really thought of that intentionally as a way to help cope. Yeah. So, so if I can, if I can be working on that skip aheads a little bit, that, that will get me thinking strategically or thinking kind of larger picture, but still from the perspective of next action. Gotcha. So that, uh, so that would be my, uh, my short, short answer or short thought on that. Well, it was a good question. I'm glad it's you a great, it to it's us. a great question. And um, maybe we can take another another question here in just a little bit. So where were we, Scott? Well, I think we've been talking about how to deal with all the mountain of work that you face as a pastor when it comes close to Holy Week. And um, we had uh, a young pastor, new pastor, fairly new pastor, who was talking to us in an email about just sort of, he didn't say the word overwhelmed, but it sounded like he's feeling a little overwhelmed with with all the different sermons and all the different um, worship services he has to plan. And gotcha. Plus, you know, funerals and, and all those things that come along. Right. And, of course, it, it probably is worth pointing out that I'm asking, so where are we? Because you and I had to take about a, what, 27-hour hiatus in the middle of talking yeah. about this because yeah. of – uh, personal and pastoral responsibilities. So uh, exactly, we, exactly, we get it. We totally do. Um, I th- I think that at this at this stage, what I'd like to, uh, what's in my mind is is simply how do we, um, what kind of concrete things can we do or can we give? What are what are the tips that you do when you are particularly stressed or overwhelmed? Um, I've mentioned working a month out. Um, is there anything else that uh, that jumps into your head as we're talking about this, Scott? I think you talked about working in uh, in short bursts, twenty minutes yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else grab you at this at this moment? Well, um, nothing that's going to help our friend at, immediately. But I think that just keeping a um, a steady file folder of sermon sermon ideas so that. So that you're not just thinking about Good Friday and Easter Sunday the week before Good Friday and Easter Sunday. That you know, if if you come across an article in the middle of July that about crucifixion or something that you think is really intriguing, then you know, make a folder. Keep 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 some of those articles and keep some of those journal quotes and and things that really kind of spark your imagination. Create a file, a Good Friday file or a Holy Week file, sure, uh, on on your laptop, and then just. You know, or use Evernote or one of those kind of resources, uh, one of the software uh, resources, and just throw things in there and ideas. And then, then when you need to write a sermon, you're going to have a, a sort of a some place to start. 
something to start with. You know, you and I have been uh, playing around with Evernote a fair amount as we've been been on this uh, podcast journey. But one of the other apps that I have used, I don't know, I want to say for two, three years, maybe four years even, um, is an app called Simple Note. Have you ever seen Simple Note or ever used Simple Note? No, I'm going to write it down. Yeah, now. Simple Note. It's good. um, I think it's free. If it's not free, it's not very expensive. Um, hang on just a second. I am okay. being. Uh, I think I'm being interrupted. All right, they went away. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure that was a child. Uh, Simple Note, anyway, is a um, it's a program that, and they have. Uh, for Mac, I think they have a version for Windows, although I'm not honestly 100% on that. Um, I, they definitely have versions for iOS. I think they have versions for Android and others. So it's pretty cross-platform. Um, and all it is is text files. No, no images, no, you know, no other stuff. It is simply text files. Now, the way that I use this is just as it sounds for keeping for keeping notes, but it uses um, it. It has a nice job of using of doing tagging. So, for instance, if I come across a uh, a quotation that I think, oh, that would be really good for this text or for this particular Sunday, that's a Pentecost thought. I will put in the tag Pentecost, or yeah. or maybe more generally lectionary that sort of thing. And I have been sort of gathering and accumulating quotations and notes and stuff like that for a couple three years inside Simple Note. Um, what's nice about it is because it is just text, uh, you don't get quite as overwhelmed. So that's yeah. that's yeah. and that is kind of a uh, an idea that is going to work more broadly. That's not going to help with what do I do right now? Um, right. When I am stressed and overwhelmed right now and I am just I am up against a wall. Uh, first of all, when I'm stressed and overwhelmed and. And that certainly happens plenty. My personal inclination is always to shut down, is yeah. to just stare at the wall, um, is to do nothing. You know, I am so busy, I've got to take a nap. That sort of mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Um, what I have found is incredibly helpful for me is to literally do a to do a brain dump, to write down everything that is in my head. That is that is trying to pull my attention away. This is a getting things done technique, but it is um, it is a really good one so that if I can get everything out of my head and I can actually look at all of this on a piece of paper or on the computer, however you want to do it um, from there, I can I can start to gain a little bit of perspective and say, OK, these are the things that have to get done right now. These are the things that I can that I can defer or wait on. Um, but if I can externalize it just a, a tiny little bit, that I have always found to be incredibly a, hel a helpful process because once the monster sort of starts growing, it's a snowball. And, yeah. and you can't kind of, uh, you know, what, what's the saying? How do, you, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And that, <laughs> now I'm not <laughs> suggesting... That you, you do that. that you eat an elephant. No elephants were harmed in the making of this podcast. Mm -hmm. But that is the that is the concept. And every sermon that you write has to start with an opening. It's got something in the middle, and it's got something at the end. So, 
start to think about those things. And as, as concrete and external as possible is, is what helps me. Now, do you ever use um, like Concordia pulpit resource or, or any of those kinds of things to get ideas or illustrative material? Sometimes not a lot. Um, I used to more when I was newer as a preacher yeah, than I do now. Yeah. And a, and a part of that is just my own personal curmudgeonness that I just don't um, – I, I I have a hard time using canned things just in general. I don't I don't really use any canned Bible classes or pre pre formatted Bible classes. Not a lot, and in some ways that's probably more work. In some ways, I I just I, I have in my own head what I mm-hmm. kind of how I want to approach stuff, and I've had a hard time making that adapt to something yeah. else. So not a lot, but I do I think that for getting ideas to spark an idea. That may be, uh, you know, for that it might be good, but that doesn't mean I'm going to take the outline from page whatever and go from that. I don't actually, I don't think there's anything wrong about that either. One of the things Mm, that I would consider quite important when it comes to when you're overwhelmed like this is to remember, look, you're not getting paid to be creative. You're, You're called to give people Jesus. And it may be that someone else has said what you believe needs to be said at this point. That's not a sign of of a failure on your part. That is a recognition of your office. Um, you know, I have preached uh, the, for instance, uh, the John Chrysostom sermon before the Easter sermon by by Chrysostom. I have read it just flat out read it. It is a brilliant sermon, and there is nothing that I could have said at that point in time that was going to be better. And I am okay with that. Maybe others don't. I'm I'm certainly willing to be wrong on that. No, I think you're right. I think it's okay to do that sort of thing. I I mean it's, I mean I I like to read sermons, uh, especially of preachers that I admire, uh, Lutheran preachers. I I I don't ever just sort of lift someone's sermon, but I might get a really good way of expressing something. You know, if you're preaching on a parable of Jesus and you're just really having a hard time making it clear in your own brain, you know, I, I, there's a few websites I'll go to where I'll see, well, I wonder how so-and-so is preached on this. Sure. And, and it just kind of opens up, you know, it, it, it just sort of remo- can help remove a blockage. Oh, and then, and then just put it in your own words, you know, I mean, with the criticism ster- sermon, I mean, I, I'm assuming you, you maybe gave some kind of a disclaimer that of this course. was from John Chrysostom. Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I'm not, uh, I'm not trying to pass myself off as Todd the golden tongued. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> right. that would be awkward uh, at any no. number of levels. But I agree with you. I think that we don't, um, I, I wouldn't make it I, sort of a weekly habit out of the, out of doing Agreed. that, but I think. I think at certain times that is really the wet best way to go. And, you know, maybe like a funeral sermon or something, you know, you might be able to find some uh, sermon from a preacher that you admire. You'll, you'll find a preacher, a Lutheran preacher that has sort of a similar style to your own. And that's often kind of a very comforting thing to do. And you yep. can go to them and say, okay, well, I'm going to look at their sermon. And then, you know, if you, if you, when you write some sermons that are, are fairly, um, clear and, and well well put together, 
post them, put them on your church website. Sure. Other pastors might might learn from those as well. I, I like I said, we don't want to be plagiarizing, but it's also not like you said, we're not expected to come up with something brilliant and and, and unique every single time we enter the pulpit. What's the uh, C.S. Lewis saying? All that is not eternal is eternally. Um, I, I don't want to get too far down the the preaching track again because I mean we're right, going to keep coming right. back to that, of course, but. But there is very much a sense when it comes to preaching that uh, the truly great sermons that I have read from from Luther, from Chrysostom, from you know uh, Johann Gerhard, and from many others are 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 eternal. They are not mm-hmm. they are not based in to- in quite in in the circumstance of the time. But uh, and for that reason. I can both be fed by them myself, and I can uh, I can use that as an idea to move forward. That's they're both pretty pretty important. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been reading some sermons by a German theologian named Helmut Thielicke. Right. And uh, and I know you've mentioned that you've read some of his books as well. A number of his books are simply collections of sermons. Like he's got one on Genesis, and he's got one on the Lord's Prayer. Right. And I've been reading the one on Genesis, and and for me, devotionally, those have been really enriching and rewarding. But it's also nice to see the way he preached and kind of how he wove things together. It's I think it's all these things can help make you a more capable preacher. Fair enough. Now, yeah. back to our uh, stress overwhelmed thing, just to sort of wrap things up here. <sighs> one of the one of the things that has worked for me, tell me if this has worked for you or not, uh, when I'm stressed and overwhelmed, and and I have to be careful here. I don't want to I don't want to come across as a Buddhist because I'm not a Buddhist. You probably know that. Mm-hmm. You know I'm not a Buddhist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, just checking. Sure. Yeah. Um, but is, is simply the concept of when I am in the midst of something to try to fully engage and be present with that. Yeah. And then to, uh, to quote the hymn, let it go when I'm done. (laughs) You mean let it be. Right. No. Well, see, you would say let it be because you, you are like the Beatles. I, on the other hand, are much more relevant and prefer Elsa's let it go. But that's, oh, okay. that's okay. We can, you know, different, different strokes for different folks. Um, right, right. But that, but that, uh, that concept, I remember quite vividly. I have a great, uh, I have a great counselor here. Uh, I don't see him on a, on a super regular basis right now, but I have in the past. And, and I remember talking to him once about this concept of, well, how do you, how do you deal with it when people are just continually coming at you and they come at you with their needs and their problems and it just, <sighs> it just is overwhelming. And he said one of the things that he's learned to do, I, I'm sure he got it from somewhere else too. One of the things that he's learned to do is in between each counseling session that he does, he washes his hands. Okay. And, and it is a simple ritual act. And, and his goal in that is to say, okay, I am fully present for this person right now. I am going to hear. I am going to provide counsel in the proper sense of the term. Again, he's a counselor. He's not a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, and then at the end of that, I'm going to wash my hands and I'm going to move on and release yeah. that. Well, that's, yeah. that is pretty good advice for, uh, for a Lutheran pastor 
No, I, I don't think it has to be the ritual washing of the hands, but maybe it means um, praying about a particular situation at the end of the situation and leaving this to leaving this to God uh, and and then moving forward. Uh, I don't know, but there's there's a lot of wisdom in that in that concept. Do you do anything like yeah. that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I've read a little bit about something called mindfulness. Sure. And that's kind of well, what right. you're that's describing. Sort of quasi-Buddhist yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, just in terms of first article stuff, yep. we are bodies and brains. And, and we know a little bit about how these bodies and brains work that is not theologically, you know, impact. It doesn't have a theological impact necessarily. Right. So. If you can learn from, say, a secular counselor or, you know, even a religious counselor for that matter, um, some technique for relaxation. Um, and again, you know, I don't want to come across sounding like I'm getting, encouraging people to go into Eastern mysticism or, or practice right. some, uh, Hindu. No, no mystics were consulted in the production of this podcast. No, no, no. But at the same time, you know, learning how to calm down your mind, learning how to calm down your brain, uh, that can be just a very innocuous, neutral technique. And uh, whether it's the washing of the hands, I think saying a prayer, just simply, I think I would, I, one thing I often will use is what the Eastern Orthodox call the Jesus prayer. Right. And, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, or some version of that. And that can just be what you do in between tasks to, as a way to kind of clear your mind and reset. Yep. Uh, push push the reset button a little bit. You probably like Taizé, uh, too, don't you? I, I actually find Taizé to be um, very helpful, personally. Um, and I know some people don't like Taizé music. I thought you were but, suspect. Yeah, but um, you know we've gone to uh, you know f forgive me, but we've gone to a, a local church here in Chicago. It's a Catholic church, and they do a a, a big Taizé service, you know, the first Friday of every month. And you know there are things about it that I might not a hundred percent agree with or approve of, but by and large, they're very very calming and relaxing. It's just scripture. Yep, and uh, the music is beautiful. They do it very well. Um, it's not schmaltzy. There's no sermon. There's no sacraments. And, um, you know, we read the scriptures together. There's some singing. There's some refrains. There's some candles. There's a period of silence. I think that's actually a discipline we need to reinvigorate is the practice of keeping silence. Yeah. For, for you know, when we have a moment of silence in our church service that lasts over five seconds, people get antsy. Yep. But in the Taizé service, they do 10 minutes. And, and you really learn to kind of just sort of shut down the noise a little bit when you are forcing yourself to be silent and be in silence for a while. I'll tell you what, Anyway, Scott, those, are the, those are some tips. Yeah, and, and good ones. Let's you and I have a uh, smackdown on Taizé at some point in the future. Because I, okay. I do I, – I, I hear what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. I also think that there's some real – um, there's some real cautions that need to be, need to be put in there, uh, both for, for musical reasons as well as scriptural reasons, but we can, we can pause on that. I'm willing to, we'll do that. Later. Yeah. I'm willing okay. to do that another time. I think that would be a useful conversation. Uh, if, and if, uh, I hope this is helpful, dear, uh, dear friend, pastor, and whomever else is listening. Uh, if you have any other thoughts on this, or if you have some advice or counsel for our friend, uh, you can write to feedback at thecruxofthematter.net, uh, or you can go to our webpage, thecruxofthematter.net, and and hit the contact button, and you'll get a get an email to the two of us, and we'll we will uh, see what we can come up with. So, 
What's bringing you joy this week, Scott? Okay, well, this is kind of a, a, a little bit relevant to what we were starting to talk. When we start to talk about brain science, that's something that has been interesting to me for quite a while. And doing some study in bioethics, some some of that I've kind of focused on the mind-brain problem, and you know what's all the all the different things, neuroscience, and neuro, what's called neurotheology or philosophy of mind, and those sorts of things. But here's a great book that I think is going to stimulate. Uh, a lot of interest and it's called A Whole New Mind and it's by a guy named Daniel Pink. It's not a theological text at all but it's about the differences between the two hemispheres of your brain. You know, left brain is more analytical and verbal and the right side of your brain is more uh, artistic and big picture and and synthetic and and instead of analytic. And he's talking about the importance of, of Nurturing creativity, basically. Nurturing creativity. And I just find it to be an engaging read. It's something completely different. It's not ministry-related, but it does kind of, I think it is related in the sense that creativity and trying to renew that, replenish that well of where do I get ideas and how do I put ideas into words. Um, I think he's got some really interesting exercises and some data, interesting science there that's, um, if anybody's interested in learning more about um, you know, how the brain works and what the two hemispheres mean, then I recommend this. I think you'll find it to be an, an invigorating read. It's called A Whole New Mind. It's not super technical, so you don't have to be a, a, a neurosurgeon to understand it. It's written for popular readership. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I will uh, add that to many of the to the many ways that you have cost me money. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, we've been uh, talking a little bit about uh, about kind of ritual ritual action and the process of starting and stopping things and how do we how do we transition from one thing to another and that's kind of brought to my mind a uh, a ritual action that has been a part of western civilization for an incredibly long time it's one of the uh, it's one of the acts that uh, that keeps men from becoming animals uh, and that is the important ritual action of shaving do you ever shave, ah. Scott? Oh, yeah, yeah, I figure yeah. you probably would. Now, uh, I don't want to enter into the uh, beards versus clean-shaven debate, which is a, a fine religious war and I'm sure worth having. Um, I, I currently have a goatee, but that's, that's beside the point. So I ran across in one of my many podcasts that I listened to a, uh, an independent company based here in America named Harry's. Uh, Harry's, <laughs> Harry's.com. Isn't that awesome? Okay. H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Yeah. Right. Harry's.com. Right. And they have a, uh, uh, basically a mail order business of dealing with, uh, they make razors. They bought a company in Germany, um, that made, that made razors and, and they are beautiful, just beautiful handles. Uh, in, and, and then they've got a shaving cream or shaving foam that comes with it. And they are amazing, Scott. It's, uh, it is as, as good, better than any kind of uh, safety razor that I've ever used. Uh, and they, and I just love it, love it, love it. And, and here's the deal is that one of their razors with, uh, with three sets of blades as well as a little um, personal carry case or case that goes around the razor – and on top of that, you also you also get either a shaving cream or shaving lotion. Um, that packet comes uh, a postage paid for fifteen dollars, and 
Cool. You know, if you ever buy razors, you know that's a really good deal. I know, yeah. totally ridiculous, completely non-theological, etc. But, but, but you know what I love about the fact that you brought that up right after I talked about a whole new mind is because the the book that I just referred to is all about the importance of design. How how you know being that something can be functional, but we also want it to be beautiful, and I think that that's. Um, I think that that's pretty cool that one of the very first things you said about these razors is how well they're designed and, and how beautiful they are yep. that, you know, not just that they're functional, they were functional and you, you highlighted that, but also you were you know quick to point out that they're uh, something beautiful to look at. And I think that that's just kind of interesting yeah, because that's what this book is so. all about, that how we have to say that it's important design and, and image are important and anyway well and anyway, that's just no, that is, that tied together and that's right on the right of the money that's what I like about these is that they're they're clean they're well they're well designed they're beautiful they they are highly functional um, and they're good and they're a good price they're a good deal so harrys.com check them out um, I think that uh, if you're looking for a, a new way to get them you can get them by mail order and they are awesome so very cool. Yeah, great fun. Uh, one final, uh, one final thing that we were going to do, and that is our uh, friend of the week. Our friend of the week for this week uh, is our friends at Doxology. Doxology.us, I believe, is the website. Doxology is a, um, I don't know, think tank, brain trust, uh, Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel is is their sort of moniker. And it is uh, it's an organization, nonprofit that's run by Dr. Harold Senkbile, a longtime pastor and retired prof professor from the Fort Wayne Sem, and Dr. Beverly Yonke, who is now a professor at Concordia University, Wisconsin, uh, also a longtime practicing clinician. Uh, they started this, I want to say, two thousand eight, and it. Essentially, they, they offer continuing education for pastors and congregations. Uh, I was privileged to be a, a part of one of their pilot groups. And what they do, I would say, is especially provide tools for pastors on, on self-care, on healthy congregations and healthy pastoral relationships, on what it means to be a pastor in the 21st century. They do a lot of the same stuff that you and I are talking about. And um, and I am privileged to count them as as friends and colleagues. So Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and if our listeners have not gone through or considered doing it, I would highly recommend doing so. And you know what else they do? I haven't gone through the curriculum, the program, but they do these things called Spotlight on the Ministry. Right. It's just a, like a one or two day seminar on some topic that fits within their purview. And I've gone to a couple of those that I have found to be very, very, very good. And, you know, one of them was on spiritual warfare with um, John Kleinig from Australia. Right. And that was that was just a terrifically helpful. And I often refer to my notes from that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I have. Um, yeah, I have. Uh, I have done so, too, for a long time. Well, I think that should uh, do it for this episode. Any uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up here, Scott? No, just that if um, if our friend and brother pastor who is feeling a little bit overwhelmed and overcome, send us a note, and uh, we'll we'll write you some encouraging emails. And if you need any help from from two pastors that 
want to help you, <laughs> uh, do do use the contact website yeah. or page and give us a give us a shout yeah. out. Yeah, awesome. And to all of our uh, fellow brothers in the ministry who are in the midst of uh, Holy Week, peace be with you. Blessings to you and your uh, and your service of the gospel to our uh, dear sheep. And we will see you all next time. Take care. All righty. Bye now. Lord, let at last thine angels call to